Hello, my name is Dwayne McCurry, and I'm the team leader for Adult Explore the Bible. Today, I'm being joined with by Mike Livingston. Mike's one of the team members of Explore the Bible. Mike, uh, good to be uh, with you today. Hey, thanks, Dwayne. Good to be here. Uh, Mike, can you tell our listeners a little bit about the role you play and the experience you have in that role? Hey, I'm, a, I'm a content editor for Explore the Bible, and I have been doing this uh, for about 27 years. The lesson we'll be looking at today is the first session for the summer, and we'll be looking at First and Second Timothy and Titus during the, these three months. But our first, our focus today is on this first lesson, which is in chapter one, verses three through seventeen. In this passage, Paul directs Timothy to faithfully teach the truth and to hold other teachers in the church accountable for teaching the pure gospel. Paul emphasized the goal of gospel teaching, or that the goal of gospel teaching is genuine love arising out of godly motives. He reminds Timothy that the law pointed to the need for a Savior. Jesus did what the law could not do. He also, Paul reflects on, the difference the gospel had made in his life, being reminded of his own sin and God's grace expressed to him. We're reminded that all are sinners, but God gives mercy to those who believe. The focus of this particular lesson is that we have a responsibility that comes as a result of us being entrusted with the truth. In the background, for all of 1 Timothy, you have the culture of Ephesus. Uh, Mike, one of the things that, that I'd like for us to address is how that culture impacted Timothy's ministry, Paul's directives to Timothy. I mean, what can we say about the culture of Ephesus here? Uh, much, much of what we know about Ephesus, uh, the culture of the city, comes from Acts chapter 19. If you look at that chapter in Acts, you, what, we, what you see there is that Ephesus was a re religiously diverse and religiously syncretistic culture. There was Judaism, there was paganism, there was a, a blending or mixing of, of different belief systems. So we know for, uh, for, for one thing, there was a Jewish synagogue there. Uh, because when Paul first entered Ephesus, he, he went into the synagogue and preached the gospel there. We know that people in Ephesus practiced sorcery and magic, and they were gripped by all kinds of superstition. We read about Jewish, Jewish exorcists, who, uh, and these were, were itinerant, itinerant preachers who traveled from town to town. They made a living by claiming to heal people and to drive out demons. They did it for profit. And, and these uh, exorcists might recite a whole list of names in their incantations to be sure they included the right deity. Uh, and, and there in Acts 19, you see that they try to use Jesus' name because it had worked for Paul. And so they, they're using Jesus' name for, for profit. And, of course, it didn't end well for them. But <laughs> you, we, we, you have a little bit of everything. You, a little bit of everything. But, but the, most, you know, the, the thing most, uh, most known, well-known uh, about the city religiously was the temple there to the goddess Artemis or, or Diana. Diana was the Roman name and Ar Artemis was the Greek name. And this was the goddess of fertility. And this temple in Ephesus had become one of the seven wonders of the world. It was about four times larger than the Parthenon in, in Athens, and pilgrims came from all over the world to worship at this temple. So, so Paul, Paul's ministry of preaching the gospel in this city uh, was so effective that we read in Acts 19 that many people were turning away from those uh, practices. They were turning away from idolatry, and we read how this impacted the craftsmen, those, those who were creating the, the idols of Diana, um, because converts to Christianity were no longer buying those, those products, those idols. 
And then there were those, those in Ephesus then who, who viewed Christianity as something that was dangerous to their values. It was dangerous to their way of life. And a riot took place in the city, and people began crying out, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So that's, that's the kind of climate in which Timothy ministered. It was one of um, idol worship, religious syncretism, false spirituality, and hostility to the gospel. How does that impact not just Timothy's ministry, but the, the directives we see here in 1 Timothy? Well, for one thing, Paul had uh, already laid the foundation in Ephesus and set an example for Timothy that the way to confront opposing truth claims is by, simply by the faithful preaching and teaching of the gospel. And Paul had laid that foundation. He had set that example. Now, the interesting thing is by the time Paul wrote 1 Timothy, the greatest danger faced by the church in Ephesus was not outside the church, it was inside the church. It was an internal threat. And you, you get hints of this, beginning you know, in chapter 1, verse 3, just beginning right there, uh, where you, Paul talks about the false doctrine, the myths and endless genealogies, the empty speculations, the fruitless discussions, those who want to be teachers of the law and they don't even understand what they're saying. So the, the biggest threat to the church at Ephesus uh, for Timothy was not out there. It was not that temple of Diana or Artemis. It was inside, that the culture had infiltrated the church. So what that means is whether the, the, the threat was a godless culture that worshiped idols and, and, um, or, or, or whether the threat was compromised false teaching within the church, the answer was the same. Paul, Paul's answer was the same, and it's the sound preaching and teaching of the gospel. Which we're going to see repeatedly through 1 Timothy as we, we continue the study. Paul focuses on verses 7 through 9 about the law, and he talks about the, the legitimate use of the law. How can we understand this term, the legitimate use of the law, and then what would be some illegitimate uses of the law? Well, yeah, he, and he said there in verse 9, you know, we, we know that the law is not meant for a righteous person, but for the lawless and, and rebellious. Um, and of course, that's not to say that there, there's, the law has no use for the Christian. It, it does, though Christians debate what that use is. But I think Paul's point here was that the law teaches us the need for salvation. Uh, it, it, it makes us aware. It makes lost people aware of of their sin and, and their need for a savior. Now the law itself didn't contain the, the remedy for the sin problem. It doesn't lift people out of their sin problem. Only Jesus does that. The law then points us to not only the problem, but the law points us to the solution to Jesus. Now he, yeah, Paul talks about it, it, there is a legitimate use of the law which means that there is an illegitimate use or illegitimate uses of the law. And so let me mention a couple of those quickly. Uh, one is the, the burdening of people with legalistic rules and regulations, a, a system in, in which religion becomes a checklist of do's and don'ts. And, and that was what was happening in, in Ephesus. Because when you get over into like 1 Timothy chapter 4, you, you, we'll see when we get to that chapter that these so-called teachers we're teaching that uh, you shouldn't get married or you, you have to abstain from various kinds of foods. 
In essence, they were adding rules and regulations to the gospel. And that's the old sin nature. The old sin nature loves religious rules because following rules allows a person to appear holy without really having to change his or her heart. So that, that's one illegitimate use of the law. And the second is, of course, thinking that the law can save, or that, that, that keeping the law earns God's favor. And so Paul reminds Timothy here in chapter 1 of, of our message, which is the gospel, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Jesus did what the law could not do. So you see Jewish imp, uh, influence at that point, uh, putting, trying to put its stamp on Christianity as an early movement. Um, and so I think that's why we would understand Paul making a big point there. Um, you've already mentioned that there were external threats and internal threats uh, to the gospel message. Um, how do we address those threats today uh, when we confront them externally and internally? With truth. I, I think the, the, the simple, concise answer is we, we address those threats with truth, with the truth of the gospel, with the truth of God's word. In all three of of, of the pastoral letters, First and Second Timothy and Titus, in all three of those letters, what we're going to see is, is Paul's concern for the truth of the gospel. Paul's concerned concern for sound teaching. So yeah, whether the threat was external, whether the threat was internal, we address it the same, basically. We address it with the faithful preaching and teaching of the gospel accompanied by the living out of the gospel. So that's a theme you're going to see throughout this study. Um, for example, over there, over in chapter 4, when we get to that, you know, Paul is going to say to Timothy, you need to give attention to, to public reading and exhortation and teaching. In other words, he's saying, Timothy, you've got to stay focused on God's Word and teaching God's Word. And then he follows that up by saying, pay close attention to your life and to your teaching. So there's that, that dual emphasis here in 1 Timothy to teach the truth and to live the truth. And that's how we address the threats today. Mike, thank you very much. One thing I, I, we didn't talk about is pack item 10, which is a handout, a master that can be used to, to create a handout entitled Timothy, a snapshot. And it gives a quick overview of the life of Timothy, tells you some information about him, some references uh, that will give background to who Timothy was. Uh, there's different ways you could use this handout. You as the leader yourself could, uh, could uh, present a summary of the handout, or you could make a photocopy of it and distribute it to the group and let them read it and what key insights they gain, those type of things. Or you could provide it to one of the group members and then allow them to present a summary or even a, uh, they could do a drama, a monologue, presenting the ideas uh, that are on the handout, a summary of the life of Timothy. Now, those are just some ways you could introduce the lesson, introduce the study for this quarter. Mike, thank you for joining us. And thank you all for being here with us today. We look forward to our study of 1 Timothy.